Men, before you take your seats, why don't you shake three people's hands and say to them, it's time to enter the blessing. Shake three people's hands. Amen. Please take your seats. That's what I want to minister on this evening. Entering into the blessing. Because God is preparing us for blessing. And the preparation for blessing is even more important than the blessing itself. Because if you're not prepared to handle the blessing then uh, when the blessing comes, it's going to get messy. But if you're ready to handle the blessing, then multiplication is going to come, and then God is going to add from glory to glory to glory. So we're going to read the whole of chapter 8 from Deuteronomy. And uh, this is God preparing his people for the blessing of the promised land that they're going to enter in. And it's all about getting ready for the blessing. The blessing is coming, but he wants them to be secured and ready so when the blessing comes, it's stewarded properly, all right? So Deuteronomy chapter 8, getting ready to enter the blessing of the promised land. 8 verse 1, Deuteronomy. You must carefully keep all the commandments that I am commanding you today so that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. You must remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you suffer hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your feet swell these 40 years. You must also consider in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Therefore, you must keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat, barley, vine, fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you may eat bread without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you may dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I'm commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are full, and have built and occupied good houses, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of slavery, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness where there were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, 
where there was no water, who brought forth for you water out of the rock of flint, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might prove you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. But you must remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to get wealth so that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, then I testify against you today that you will surely perish Just like the nations which the land will destroy before you, so shall you perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. As I said earlier, this chapter is preparing God's people for tremendous blessing. And the purpose of this passage is to secure God's people so that when the blessing comes, they won't be spoilt by the blessing. How many of you have ever seen a spoiled child? And that child gets blessing upon blessing. They walk into the toy shop, Toys R Us or whatever, and they say, I want that, I want that, I want the other. If they don't get it, they start to cry, and, and the parent follows them, wants to keep them happy, and gives them all the presents, and that child is spoiled. They go home with the present, they open it or, uh, and play with it for five minutes, and then discard it. They don't value the present because they're spoiled. God is going to send his blessing upon his people here, and we believe that God is going to send his blessing on us. And so he wants us to be able to handle God's blessing. I remember once very clearly the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I had just gone through a test. We go through tests and trials. We see God reminding them of the tests and trials that he allowed them to go through in order to test their heart, in order to purify them and mature them so that they could handle the blessing when it came. And so I remember I'd gone through a test. It wasn't a huge test, uh, but I got through it, and I'd handled myself quite well according to the principles of the kingdom of God. And I graded myself seven out of ten. And it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, Well, you came through that test well done. But then the Holy Spirit said this. He said, but you're still not ready for my greatest test. Immediately, my heart heart fell. I thought, oh God, what's going to happen? Who's going to die? What's what's the sickness? What, you know, what pain? Oh no, my heart sank. I thought, another test has just come through this one. It wasn't a massive one, but I thought you'd give me a break for a while, a breather. Now you're telling me, well done, you came through that test, but you're not ready for the next test uh, that that you're going to give me. But that was only in an instant, because when God said, well done, you came through that test, but you're not quite yet, you're not yet ready for the test, my greatest test, my heart sank, thinking it was something bad, and then the Holy Spirit said this, you're not yet ready for the test of my blessing. And part of me wanted to say, yes, I am, immediately. But I knew deep down in my heart, immediately, what the Lord was saying. That when the blessing comes, would I be ready and mature enough to handle it, to steward it, to appreciate it, and to keep my eyes fixed on God, even though the blessing was all around? This is what this passage is about. 
Because many times in history and church history, God has sent the blessing. And the blessing has come and wonderful things have taken place. But also many, many, many times, too many, really, the blessing has been squandered or lost or taken for granted and has left as quickly as it came. So this passage is, is, is a blessing passage because God is saying, I'm going to bring you into a wonderful land. I mean, what a beautiful description that, wasn't it? I mean, it's a natural blessing, but this speaks to us of the greatest promise of the Bible, which is the Holy Spirit himself. The greatest promise that God gives us is the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus died on the cross, not just that our sins would be forgiven, but our sins would be forgiven so that we might receive the Holy Spirit and everything that he brings. The greatest blessing on earth is the Holy Spirit. And the more we have of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, our lives, our minds, our circumstances, the more blessing that we have. And so when we see this beautiful picture, I mean, remember where they'd come from. Remember where you've come from. They were slaves. You were slaves, slaves of sin. I mean, they had lived uh, eating onions and garlic and being slaves to Pharaoh in a terrible situation for 300 years. Grandfather, the grandchild, generation after generation, all they knew was struggle and slavery. It was ingrained into them. They expected slavery. They expected uh, the, the bonds of Pharaoh. They didn't know anything different for 300 years. And then God turns up and brings them out into a new place. And even then, they, they struggle to trust God. And if they couldn't trust God in coming out of Egypt, how were they going to trust God when they entered into the blessing? And God did many works in their lives to humble them. We see this to teach them, to prove them, to show them what was in their heart in the time of preparation that needed to be dealt with before they could enter into the blessing. I know by the Spirit of the Lord that God has been working in your hearts in the last few months and years and he's been proving you and he's been trying you and he's been testing you. And he's been uh, applying the, 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 the flame of his blowtorch to your heart to get rid of the impurities, revealing things to you to prepare you for the test of his blessing. We've had many uh, moments and seasons of blessings in Kensington Temple. Tyo was talking about it last night. He's been here 28 years, is it, Tyo? 28 for me, too. We've been around the block a few times. And we've seen a few moves of the Holy Spirit and some other things as well. And you know, when I think about the early days and some of the moves in the 90s, and they were wonderful and they were glorious, but when I look back on myself, I don't think I appreciated them as much as I will now. I was young. I didn't know any different. I was just in the blessing. There was another blessing. I came to KT because the blessing was on it. I loved the blessing. Didn't know anything else but the blessing at KT. Then we had this move and, and that move. The, and I loved it and I enjoyed it. But I, I, I didn't really appreciate exactly how amazing it was. Don't blame myself for it. 
And so God then puts you back in the wilderness for a while. Puts some severe sometimes testings on our lives. Where we're just, just hanging on by the grace of God. And he shows us some painful things in the inside of us. And puts us through some tests and trials. And, and we don't consider it uh, all joy when we go through them. But maybe we would if we understood that we're going through them because he's preparing us for the blessing. And sometimes he withholds his blessing out of mercy. You hear what I'm telling you? He withholds his blessing out of mercy because he knows if he sends it, if we're not prepared for it, we will ruin it and it will ruin us. But we believe that God's been working deep in a lot of our lives. Your stories, my stories, things have been happening. We've been tried. We've been tested. God's not looking for a perfect people. He's looking for a people that are appreciative of what he's going to do. And so here he says, I, I tested you in the wilderness. I humbled you. I brought you down and I, and I taught you that man does not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the uh, out of out of God, He's saying, "Look, I want you to remember what I was like in the tests and the trials, so that when blessing comes, you won't be distracted by the blessing." One of the greatest dangers of the blessing of the Holy Spirit and everything that He brings is that we get distracted by the blessing. This was the warning in the passage, wasn't it? When you've eaten, when you're blessed, beware you do not forget the Lord your God. There's so much blessing you get used to it. Have you ever been in a place where you've had a good salary? You've had everything that you need and more. You can afford hot. Maybe some of you haven't, but maybe some. You can afford holidays. Uh, you, you lose a five pound note. That's no, no problem. Plenty more where that came from. And then suddenly you lose your job. And now you're counting your pennies. And instead of going into the supermarket and putting in anything, whatever you like, oh, I'll take, take two of them, three of those, whatever. Now you're sitting, you think, you're thinking, you know, what, what, what am I going to do? What, how, how, how am I going to get through? And then you, you begin to, to trust God. But before, you were sort of like, well, whatever. God brings us into a place where we're prepared. And what a, like I said, what a beautiful picture of fountains and springs and valleys and hills. We should have an anticipation of what the Holy Spirit is going to do in our lives. An excitement and believing that a new atmosphere is going to come in that hasn't been here before. A new blessing, a new presence. Things that have been hard will be easier. Breakthroughs that didn't come will come. Prayers will be answered, answered quicker than they've been answered before because it's time for the blessing. Beautiful picture. This picture of this wonderful land reminds me of Martin Luther King. When that amazing 1968, the year I was born, and that one of the most incredible sermons ever preached about getting on the mountain and seeing the promised land for a people that had been treated like slaves, as slaves, and had nothing to look forward to. But he saw something different. You know the sermon. Here's a little extract from it. He said, I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. 
I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. I think that's appropriate for us and for what God is doing in our lives. Remember, these things about preparation. Number one, that the act of prayer is an end in itself. Sometimes we pray and we say, well, I haven't had an answer yet. Yes, God has not answered you yet because what he's doing in your life through your persistent prayer is even more important than the answer you're seeking. Seeking the Lord is an end in itself. You say, I'm just seeking the Lord because I want an answer. I'm seeking the Lord so that he comes. Yes, but seeking him is changing you. How many of you have ever pressed into God for something and pressed into God for something and pressed into God for something and you pressed into God for something and then when God came through, it was what he, what he had done in your heart as you sought him that was even more important than the answer. How many of you know that the pursuit of revival is an end in itself? Seeking God, hungering for God, desiring for God, hoping for God, praying for God's blessing. As you do that, that is as important as when the blessing comes. It wasn't by accident that Jesus allowed his disciples 50 days to seek him in the upper room. It wasn't by accident. He could have sent the Father's blessing immediately. But he wanted a, a period of desiring, longing, believing, so that when the blessing came, it would be just so wonderful. I've been thinking about Simeon in the temple and how that Jesus was, was brought to him. And God had told Simeon and Anna, hadn't he, that one day they would not die. Simeon, you would not die until you have seen the Savior of the world. Day in and day out, he'd be serving in the temple. And year in and year out, he'd be hoping and praying and believing and hoping and praying and believing. And, and, and every day he prayed and every week he, had, he hoped and every year he pressed in, the anticipation was growing deeper in order that the joy of the blessing would be all the greater. I mean, if God had said to Simeon, you'll not die until you see the Lord, and then the Lord turned up as a little baby the next day. I mean, you know, he's hardly got time to process the uh, prophecy. But the years of seeking the Lord, I would have, I'd give anything to see that moment when into that temple with those two doves comes Joseph and Mary and the little baby, and then Simeon senses something, turns around and sees a young couple with a baby, and they bring the baby to him, and then the Holy Spirit says, here is the Savior of the world, and then he cradles this baby in his hand, and he is holding the fullness of God's blessing in bodily form. I was trying to imagine what it, what it must be like, you know, you cradle newborn babies, and it's lovely. I was trying to imagine what it must have been like to cradle Jesus. To be, to just to hold him and to be like, they think, this is it. And he says, it is enough for me. It is enough for me. I have received it. That joy, that joy, God is preparing us. God is getting us ready for this joy to come so that there will be a people 
who will enjoy the blessing, but they won't be distracted by the blessing. They won't forget the Lord who is blessing them. They'll, they have a memory of the difficult times and the times of seeking and the times where all you had was God's word. They remember the times of manna, manna, manna in the morning, manna in the evening, manna burgers, manna steaks, manna pizza, manna, 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 enough to drive you up the wall, the manna days. And then the quail days, quail in the morning, quail in the afternoon, quail at night until you feel sick. And now the days will have come of honey, milk, barley, vine, figs, wine, just the fullness of the blessing. But they remember the old days. And the old days accentuate the new days. The pains, the difficulties, the, the, the trials have prepared you for the blessing. Finally, I want to say this before we... Because I, I believe tonight, as we've been having each night, that the first fruits are being poured out. You know, when the spies went into the land, the good spies didn't come empty-handed. Some people that had had manna for the last 40 years got their first taste of grape. And when they had that taste, those that were believers, and there weren't many of them, they wanted to go in and have a little bit more. How about this? When you get tastes and God is giving us, in his own way, in his own measure, tastes of that which is to come. The Holy Spirit loves to give foretastes. He loves to tease us, if that's the right word. Tease us to have a taste. Do you like it? Yeah, well, there's more to come. Like going into a, a, a Tesco's and there's a table there and someone's got some cheese on a stick and they say, would you like to try a sample, sir? And you say, yes, I would. And you say, oh, that's very nice. And then you pick another one and they sort of look at you. Oh, that's very nice. And then you're about to pick another one. Your hand gets slapped. <laughs> if you want the full cheese, it's down, it's down that aisle, five pounds. You know what I'm talking about? Well, God is sending us samples. God is sending us samples. God, people are getting touched. People are being awakened. God is giving us fruit from the promised land, and it's going to increase and increase. And he gives us the taste so that we want more. And it's the Holy Spirit himself that is, is bringing forth the hunger that, that we have in our lives. Now, remember that when we go into this land of blessing... There's going to be a working of the Spirit. Because this land of blessing had giants in it. If you think that when the blessing comes, there's no work of the kingdom to be done. There's no battles to be fought. There's no challenges that will arise. Then you are very much mistaken. If you think that when the blessing comes... That, that, that it won't come without challenge, destiny. It's like we've been hearing, arise and shine. That's the me message this week, arise. And so to go into the promised land, it was all there for you, but you have to dislodge the, the uh, giants. You have to believe God. You have to be prepared to walk in the power of God. You're going to have some walls of Jericho. You know what I'm talking about, but God's got the strategies. But the thing is, when you're in the promised land, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit. God said, go in 
and take the land, I am with you. I've promised it, and I'll be with you. And by being with you, I will defeat your enemies. But do you remember they said, no, we're not going up. And then God said to that generation, right, you don't believe me? Then you won't go up. I'll wait for a new generation. Then what did that wicked generation do? They said, all right, we'll go up. Do you remember that? And then without God, they went into the land. And they got beat up and kicked back into the wilderness. Well, when we go into the promised land, the Holy Spirit will be with us. We'll be able to do things we could not do before. We'll have an impact on on others that we did not have before. It will be the Lord and the anointing of God will bring us breakthroughs that we've not had before. And salvations will come that we've not had before. And miracles will come that we've not had before. And we'll be saying, wait a second, what's changed I haven't really changed. No, you haven't really changed in in the sense of you're producing it, but the blessings come. And some of us that have seen blessings before, we're going to come into this new blessing and we're going to be going, this is crazy. I mean, I'm not superhuman. I haven't changed radically and, and amazingly. It's just that God is using me in a way that he's never used me before. And we're going to be amazed by his grace. And we're going to be amazed that that God is doing these things because he wasn't doing these things, but now he is. And because we know what it was like when when it wasn't, we're going to appreciate what it's like when it was. God has allowed this house to have solid members that have been here, like myself and Tayo and others and Bray, for, for many, many, many years. So that we have people that know what it is to have measures of blessing, and know that when this blessing comes, we're not going to let go of the blessing. We're not going to just say, oh, well, that's nice. The blessing's here. I might go to the blessing tonight, or I might not go to the blessing. I'm not really bothered. It'll be there tomorrow. But we're going to have people that have said, we want this. We're not going to let it go, and we're going to teach the younger generation and those that come into the blessing for the first time, like we did, some of us, and think, oh, is this what it's like all the time? No. You'd better appreciate it. You'd better realize that that this is precious, not to be taken for granted. Three things take place when the Holy Spirit comes in power. Number one, when the Holy Spirit comes in power, the kingdom of God comes in power. When Jesus went into the villages, the kingdom of God came in power. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when he came in, miracles took place. Salvations took place. Hearts were changed. Miracles took place. It it was the power of God in manifestation. When the Holy Spirit comes in power, number one, the kingdom of God breaks out in power. The kingdom of God is magnified, intensified, and multiplied. Number two. When the Holy Ghost comes in power, not only do the miracles and the kingdom God manifestations take place in the hearts and circumstances of people, but number two, the devil also rises up. We better be ready. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he provokes the enemy. He provokes the Holy Spirit's at war in the land of promise. He provokes the enemy. Jesus couldn't walk down a street without demons manifesting and shouting out, we know who you are. He, he wasn't even ministering. He was just walking down the street for a sandwich from Subway. 
And as he's walking down, minding his own business, people are shouting out in grotesque demon voices, we know who you are. Have you come to torment us? And Jesus is just walking down saying, shut up, be muzzled, come out. Shut up, be muzzled, come out. Shut up, be muzzled, come out. It's the anointing of God will provoke the enemy. There are demons that have not been provoked for many, time, for many years. That when the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to provoke them. First thing the Holy Ghost did when he baptized Jesus in, in the Holy Spirit was throw him out in the wilderness to do battle with the devil. It was like the Holy Ghost says, now here we go. I'm partnering with you, Jesus. First things first, let's go out and provoke the enemy. Okay? So when the Holy Spirit comes... The enemy will rise up, but not to beat us. The enemy will manifest so that we can clear him out. We're going to flush him out in the power of the Holy Spirit. The finger of God, the power of God is going to bring forth hidden demons. I tell you what, if you've got any hidden demons in your life, I'm serving notice on them that very soon you're going to be provoked and cast out and people are going to be delivered. Because when the Holy Spirit comes... The devil is intensifying in his work as he responds to it. And finally, when the Holy Spirit comes, number one, the manifestations of the kingdom intensify, magnify, and multiply. The devil rises up in order to be flushed out, to be demolished. And thirdly, the flesh of human beings also arises. Galatians says, that the spirit wars against the flesh, and the flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit hates the flesh. He doesn't hate human beings, but he hates that flesh, that bit in us that rebels against God, the self, the, the, the self-promotion, the, the, the jealousy, the works of... The Holy Spirit hates that stuff in us because it's bondage. And when the Holy Spirit moves, he comes to heal us from the flesh. He comes to, to, to deliver us from the flesh as we turn to Him. But if we refuse to hear the Holy Spirit at speaking to us the today word of sanctification, and, and we allow the flesh to arise with self-seeking, I tell you, the revivals of the past are full of selfish men and women trying to make profit out of the power of God. It's the major touch. They see the power. They see the souls. All of a sudden, hundreds of thousands of people are getting saved. Tyler said last night, he said, what, he said why, not have, why not if we had millions of people in Kensington, London, Signature? And I thought, yeah, that's right. And then another part of me said, when he said, why not have hundreds and thousands of people? And I thought, I could give you a thousand reasons why not. I didn't, you know, I could give you, I just, I'll give you a thousand. Flesh, arrogance, people that, 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 that might have... 20 people under their care and they walk around like the Pope himself. You know what I'm saying? But this is why God has been working in our hearts. So the flesh will rise. We'll find it in ourselves. When the Holy Ghost comes, there'll be times we feel so fleshly. But that's not to be worried about. Because if you feel fleshly, it's because God is allowing the flesh to arise so that it can be crucified. Just don't let that flesh control Samples and seasons of his blessing. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Katie, play. And just lift your hands to the Lord. For the blessing's going to fall.
in whatever measure, the blessing. Everybody standing. Everybody standing. Everybody opening themselves to the blessing. The blessing's been flowing all week. And now, Father, as we stand before you, we ask you to send the blessing. The blessing of your Holy Spirit. Let it fall. Let it fall in this room. We open our hearts. We open our minds. And we ask for the blessing. Let it fall like spring rain. Hallelujah. Spring rain. You've been in the spring rain, the mist. It's like it's not it's almost not like rain, it's like mist. It just falls, begins to soak you. It begins to soak you. The Lord said, I'll send you the latter rain. I'll pour out my spirit. I'll send my cloud. I remember being on a mountain in Germany so high that I was in a cloud. Actually in a cloud. I was there with Jake. And it was so wonderful. It was just... It was like a mist, but we were in a cloud. And I thought of the Shekinah glory. Well, let the cloud of your presence fill this room. Plead the blood of Jesus before the throne of God. Holy Spirit, you answer to the blood. Where you see the blood, there is forgiveness, which makes way for the blessing. Plead the blood of Jesus before your throne, Father. And I ask that you will send us a measure right now, Lord. Hallelujah. Washing, soaking, cleansing, healing, liberating. Energizing, lifting, freeing. Oh, Liberation. Breath of God, breathe. only drinking and try and think the blessing through not now it's time for thinking it's time for drinking let's do that let's just sing the song that you don't your presence is heaven to me
down here this beautiful blue carpet I don't know if it's just the color blue but I feel as if I'm in the river of God flowing with his river flowing with his presence your presence is like heaven to me it's just a word from the story of Elisha with the widow she had nothing and he asked her what do you have in your house she said nothing but a jar of oil and I saw two nothings there that some people think they have absolutely nothing at all in their house that vessel that's God's and others think they have nothing of significance but the Lord wants you to know that the little you have, he will multiply. So if you are somebody who feels that you have nothing or that you have nothing of significance and you want some of us to pray, then we'll pray for the multiplication of what you say is nothing, for he will multiply it. Amen. Thank you. That's beautiful. Let's give Jesus a praise. 
That's wonderful. Can I have the microphone, please? Because we've got another prophet standing up here. Amen. There we are. Colin asked us if uh, there was anything in our heart to share, to speak in such a conference. And there's something that I felt in my heart maybe over the Christmas period. Um, there's something that's been there and has been dwelling in stirring. It's very much since this kind of move of the Holy Spirit thing has been, been talked about, the striking of a match. Um, I'm going to try to discharge it the best way I know how. I've got to try to stay out of my brain and just stay in the Spirit. But Many things you might think about me, many things that you might know about me, not know about me, depending on how close we are in relationship. But there's one thing that I know about me, and that's I'm a son to this man here, Colin Dye. And so that's what I'm here to speak out of today. I'm exhorting you as a son in this house. We've got many great sons. You've seen Tyo prowling the platform as Colin Dye prowls the platform. I don't know what it is I do like Colin, but I know that I am his son. So much so that at my wedding, he was at the top table with my family. Malachi 4 verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. There's many ways you can apply it, whether you're trying to apply father's sons, father's daughters, mother's sons, mother's daughters. But I believe that this word has such significance in a context of revival because the great and awesome day of God, of the Lord, was accompanied by radical relational connection. As the Father restored relationship with us and us with Him, He frees us to then restore and divinely connect with brothers and sisters in the Kingdom of God. There are children that are lost. We know this. If you look around the world today, the malady of our culture is fatherlessness and the identity that is shaped of individuality is generated because of the epidemic of fatherlessness. This characterizes people, orphan thinking. Orphan thinking is not about whether you know your parents in this life or not. Orphan thinking is whether we have had an encounter with God or not, whether we are born with the Spirit and born of the Spirit or not. Romans 8 says, we did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer him with Him in order that we might be glorified with Him. So there is a lostness of sons, but there is also a lostness of fathers without sons. Recently, I've been brought into a new experience of fatherhood. My son Isaiah was born on Christmas Day, loving the emphasis on Isaiah right at the moment. In becoming a father, there is something that can never be taken away from you. Something is born in you that can never be stripped away. 
but equally can never be genuinely fulfilled without the relationship that is meant between fathers and sons. And there is a relationship that is meant for some of you, whether you've got actual sons or kids or daughters, but there are spiritual relationships that are meant for you. And there was a birth experience, but there has not been a, a relationship that comes through that building of time and intimacy and getting to know one another. Why do I think this is an issue for us here today? Covenant relationship isn't at the core of what we think about church, oftentimes. You may be blinded by thinking, you know what, I'm an introvert, I don't like people, I'm not necessarily that into people. Well, if your introversion is more important to you than the call of God on your life to be a father or a mother, you need to repent, you need to turn. Equally, the answer is not for us to now run around and say, you're my father, you're my son, you're my mother, you're my daughter. That's not the answer. The answer is to say, God, because of what you've done in my life, you've restored me to relationship with you. Lord, I ask, Father, for the divine relationships, the divine connections that are a part of the kingdom move of God, a part of the kingdom thing that God wants to do in our lives. This is a divine move a divine move as we are restored by the Lord as we are restored in our hearts that we can actually begin to genuinely connect in these divine connections with people around us so much so that in the way that we love the person in front of us we are loving the Lord in the way that we walk with them we can say what Jesus said I see what my father doing now Colin knows I'm not perfect but he chooses to love me as a son Colin is perfect and I still choose to love him as a father amen but it's a flow of revival power. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. What am I calling for here today? I'm calling for a heart transformation. Hearts will be turned. It's not an intellectual thing. It's not something that we can just think ourselves into. It's something we can easily be offended of in the flesh. But it's a turning of our hearts. A turning of our hearts. You know, there is a season coming in Kensington Temple where the orphan heart and orphan thinking will be displaced. And it will be replaced and announced by those that are adopted. Just as Colin was saying on Wednesday in that great prophecy, God is going to be with us. God is going to be with us. He's going to walk with us into the great things that He's calling us to. If you find that you have an orphan heart in the way that you think about God or others, that is to be replaced by a spirit of adoption. I believe that God is going to bring an alignment for those divine connections. There might be people that have offended you the most in the past. There might be people that you feel most hurt by in the past. But the Lord, that the Lord would start to release divine connections. Some of you will be restored to your physical mothers and fathers. Some of you will be restored to your spiritual sons and daughters. That there is something to be released of adoption, not just fostering, not just part-time commitment if somebody is doing a good job, but adoption, commitment 100%, whether they make it or not. And that sons and daughters would be birthed afresh in the house. And just a final thought to add on this, that 
I believe that as we grow in this, as we don't just connect in a divine way, but start to grow in intimacy with one another, start to walk in intimacy with one another, the privilege of following Christ will be manifest, but there will come a time where holiness becomes really important in what, how we're doing that. Holiness becomes significant. There's a holiness to this move, a holiness to what God wants to do. Let me just pray. Father, I thank you, Father, for the fathers and mothers, the sons and the daughters that you are working in tonight and will be working in ongoingly. I thank you, Lord, that you are turning hearts. Turn hearts. Lord, that there be something so deep in the movement of hearts that everything that is objecting in the flesh and in the mind will be subject to what is moving in the heart. And Lord, I thank you that fathers would begin to generate sons in relationship and mothers would generate daughters in relationship and that identity in Christ would be realized for your people. And Lord, I thank you that this is a great move of what you are doing in the establishing of your kingdom. Lord, all of creation is eagerly awaiting the revealing of the sons of God and you're doing a great work in our time, a great work in our hearts. And we look to you, we thank you for what you're going to do in us. And Lord, we repent if we have refused relationship, if we have refused to connect, if we have refused because of the flesh, Lord, help us to overcome and turn our hearts. Turn our hearts. Help us to participate in this outpouring of your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, Father, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and mothers of God. Let a new spirit of fatherhood and motherhood and sonship and adoption let a new anointing of your spirit come in between the generations and according to your outpoured move of God in Jesus name amen and amen okay Scotty fire away amen um, on Tuesday Pastor Colin brought all the uh, primary men together and asked if we had anything that was on our heart anything that we were sensing to share and I actually had two words, and I kind of kept quiet a bit, but I did share them with Claudette, and I found it significant that Pastor Tayo preached yesterday, and then he prayed for the 18 to 35s. And the first word that I wanted to share is the story of the prodigal son. It's a story we all know well, but I believe that there are mothers and fathers in this place whose sons are far from the Lord, and I believe that God wants to bring them back. Amen? And even in that story, what I find significant is... It says, when he came to his senses, yeah. and I believe that there's sons in this house that we need to come to our senses in who we are in God, mm. but I also feel for the mothers and fathers that when, you're, when your sons come to their senses, the first thing he did was run to the father. So he didn't explore a secondary or tertiary options. He didn't exhaust every avenue. The first thing he did. So take some heart, take some confidence in that. Yeah. And it says also that the father ran to see him, which would imply that he's close. So it will happen soon. Amen? Yeah. And the second one I feel is for some people here tonight where we've been doing a lot of stuff in our own strength. Daniel 4, King Nebuchadnezzar, we know it well. He was trying to stand on his own Babylon with his own arms. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've done. And I feel there's been so much of us here that we've been striving in our own strength and we're tired. And I believe that God wants to refresh us. God wants to realign us. But this move is not for us. It's for God. It's for His glory. And I find it fascinating that it's the same words used when everything was taken from him. When he came to his senses, he began to praise and worship the Lord. And so it's that renewal of the mind, that restoring of our mind. And I believe that 
we need to start surrendering and stop striving and let God be God. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Everybody standing. Thank you, Scott. Everybody standing. Everybody standing. I think uh, I don't want, I don't want to detract or highlight one thing above others that Scott and, and others were saying. But as he was saying that about um, uh, the prodigals returning, I really felt a strong urge in my spirit that God was saying, yes, your sons and daughters will come from afar. So let's spend some time calling back the prodigals. And I believe in a fresh move of God when there is joy in the house of God. So many broken relationships within families and children who are far from God will be touched. Do you believe that? Are you happy about that? Okay, everybody pray. Everybody pray. Very strong. We're about to finish our service, but let's, let's milk it for the very last drop. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers and mothers. We thank you, Lord, that you are going to call the sons and daughters from afar. We thank you, Lord, that this blessing is upon you and your children and your children's children, as many as the Lord shall call. We thank you, Father, for the blessing of household salvation, which is a feature of this revival. And we pray now for household salvation. We say there is a lamb for a house, a lamb for a house, a lamb for a house. Spread the lamb, the blood of the lamb upon the doorposts and lintels. And we thank you, Father, that you will save whole households. You and your house shall be saved. You and your house shall be saved. Call back the prodigals. Call back the prodigals. Let them come to their senses. Let them come to their senses. We come against every spirit that has bewitched them, every seducing spirit, every spirit of deception. And we say in the name of Jesus, loose your grip and hold and the light of the revelation of God hits you, hits you, hits you. In Jesus' name, revelation, touch your life. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. Hallelujah.